Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. We are continuing preparing for consecration to the Sacred Heart of Jesus through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We are on day six of our consecration. I'd like to invite, if you don't already have your retreat materials, to get a copy. You will really be grateful that you have these resources on hand. You can get them at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. We are using the books by Father Michael Gately. It's a do-it-yourself retreat in preparation for Marian consecration and the retreat companion which was written by Carol R. Younger. Those are both available at the 33 Days to Morning Glory website. It's great if you can coordinate a local group that you're doing this consecration with, or even a group online that you're working with where you're meeting together in a chat room or a video room and talking together. There is a DVD series that goes along with it that you would use at your weekly group meetings. You can get that DVD series at the same website, 33 Days to Morning Glory. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. We're starting now day six, and this is a continuation. It's a two-part from yesterday was, was part one. Today's part two. So yesterday on day five, we looked at how when we fully consecrate ourselves to Mary, we give up the right to distribute the graces of our prayers and merits to others. But we saw that it all works out even better in the end. Now today, we're going to turn on to ourselves. Isn't it crazy to give to Mary all the value of our good actions and prayers and so to appear before God with empty hands? Father Gately says, no, it's not crazy. Remember, Mary is not outdone in generosity. If we give her all of our merits, she will give us all of hers, and that's a big deal. And Father Gately goes on to tell us a a time that he read a story about a saint on earth who had a vision of heaven. In this vision, she saw the saints in heaven and their different degrees of glory. With some saints, she was astonished because they had risen so high in glory as to be worshiping God with the seraphim, which are the highest choir of angels. Another time, he mentions that he read a passage in the diary of St. Faustina when St. Faustina had a similar vision of heaven. She related that if we were to see the differences among the degrees of glory in heaven, we would willingly suffer anything on earth just to move one degree higher. After reading these testimonies, he says that what he says to himself is, I not only want to go to heaven, but I want to reach the highest degree of glory in heaven that I possibly can. There is an easy way for us to do this. We give Mary everything. We rely not on our own merits, but on hers. St. Louis explains, The most holy virgin, who never lets herself be outdone in love, liberality, seeing that we give ourselves entirely to her, meets us in the same spirit. She also gives her whole self and gives it in an unspeakable manner to him who gives all to her. She causes him to be engulfed in the abyss of her graces. She adorns him with her merits. She supports him with her power. She illuminates him with her light. She inflames him with her love. She communicates to him her virtues, her humility, her faith, her purity, and the rest. In a word, as the consecrated person is all Mary's, so Mary is all his. I was talking to a friend of mine recently about this idea of the... um, different degrees of heaven. And she kind of was a little put off by that. She's like, you know, I thought when we got to heaven, everyone was the same, you know, that we're all in heaven. And 
I think it's just kind of a new thought maybe to kind of ponder, but yes, when we all get to heaven, we're all face-to-face with the glory of God. But how much greater would some of the greatest saints be? And and I think one analogy is like the teacup. You had uh, a little thimble of a teacup that had a little bit of water in it. It would be full. If you had a huge 16-ounce coffee cup full of water in it, it would also be full. But one of them has a higher fullness than the other. And I think that's one way to kind of turn that around in our head as we're kind of contemplating that if that's a new idea for you. I got to say, I immediately thought of the scripture passage, my father's house has many rooms. Yes. Wow. Yes. It made sense. Those are really great examples. Now, despite those consoling words of St. Louis de Montfort, one might still be troubled and say, well, that's great. I'm all for having a high degree of glory in heaven, but what I'm worried about is purgatory. <laughs> I'm afraid that if I give away all my merits, even to Mary, then I'm going to have to suffer in purgatory for a very long time. And St. Louis de Montfort gives us a great answer back to us if, if that's a concern of ours. This objection, which comes from self-love, and ignorance of the generosity of God and His Holy Mother refutes itself. A fervent and generous soul who gives God all he has without reserve so that he can do nothing more, who lives only for the glory and reign of Jesus Christ through His Holy Mother, and who makes an entire sacrifice of himself to bring it about, will this generous and liberal soul, I say, be more punished in the other world because he has been more liberal and more disinterested than others? Far indeed will that be from the truth. Rather, it is toward that soul that our Lord and His Holy Mother are the most liberal in this world and in the other, in the order of nature, grace, and glory. So it sounds like that settles it. We get a gentle (laughs) rebuke. (laughs) We get a gentle rebuke on top of it all. St. Louis repeats the important point. Mary is not outdone in generosity. This this keeps coming up. If we're especially generous to her, then she'll be especially generous with us. And he makes another good point, the gentle rebuke. He says that these kinds of concerns come from self-love when we're only thinking about ourselves and not wanting to suffer in purgatory. So, yes, we should aim high, yes. We should have holy ambition and want to reach the highest heights of holiness. But our motive shouldn't be self-love. Rather, it should be that we want to please God and give great glory to Him. We should keep this important point in our minds when tomorrow we're going to read about some of the awesome benefits of being consecrated to Mary. Michelle, I love what you're saying there, what Father Gately's writing, that we should aim high, but not like... I'm so great, I'm going to be a great saint. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of us are coming from. The real goal of what we're doing in aiming high is not the self-love, but giving glory to God. And who gives this so perfect an example to us is Our Lady in her humility. I am the handmaid of the Lord. She's She's the servant of the Lord. And in that service... She's giving glory to God. Mary never says, hey, everybody, look at me. I was the mother of God. He's the perfect (laughs) kid here in Nazareth. (laughs) Can you imagine her being in that way? 
No. And, and yet, we tend to be more like that. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking mm-hmm. personally. I tend to be more like that. Look at my great kids. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but when we can get our mind into humility and what is for God's glory, then all of the things we do behind the scenes matter. And we can offer those up, and God will take care of, of figuring out where it all comes. And, and if we need purgatory, that in itself is a grace. Well, when you think of any of the images of Our Lady and any of the apparitions, she has such a humble persona about her. Her eyes are frequently cast down, chin is down, indicating that she is not of all glory, that there is someone greater than her, which is what we learned in Our Lady of Guadalupe on the Tilma. Absolutely. And, and this also makes me think of the St. Therese's idea of being little. Right, we want to become saints. That's really our our whole purpose to become saints. But the purpose of becoming a saint is for the glory of God, and that we can't do it without Him. When it comes to Marian consecration, she brings us to Jesus. She brings us to His divine mercy. So we have to be little in order to achieve holiness. Let's go to our closing prayer for the day. If you're reading along in the book, The 33 Days to Morning Glory, Do-It-Yourself Retreat, written by Father Michael Gately. It is on page 44. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, living in Mary, help me to give great glory to God by giving all I have to Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Coming up, we are going to get started in our retreat companion. There are four questions that we're supposed to ponder throughout the day. We'll address those questions. I would like to invite you to join the Real Life Radio team. We are a listener-supported radio station. They've put together a rather unique concept with their Care to Share program. Learn more by visiting realliferadio.com and click the Care to Share button. We will be back with our study questions of the day. Up next on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses.
Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. We have Julie and Michelle with us today as we continue our consecration to Jesus Christ through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We are on day six, and it's time to tackle our retreat questions. These questions are coming from the 33 Days to Morning Glory Retreat Companion by Carol R. Younger. You can get a copy of this retreat companion at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. Question number one on day six, should we really give Mary everything? As we closed yesterday, We asked Mary's spouse, the Holy Spirit, to help us be generous in giving all to Mary. When in the past have we needed help in being generous or in giving gifts? One way to help someone to be generous is to teach them how to be generous. As children, our parents and teachers taught us how to give gifts to others. How has God been teaching you to be generous? And have you taught others to be generous? Mary, I love that question. Yesterday, I shared the story of my husband making 140 muffins for uh, the mm-hmm. band <laughs> and his love of, of doing bulk cooking for the football team and other different groups. Um, so I think about my my own husband. It was his father who really was was quite possibly one of the generous people I've ever known. And just to give you an idea, he... Um, he he was a kind of a self-made man in, in terms of growing up, not a whole lot, but but did very well in his workplace. And he was really just a very plain and common guy. He loved to wear his cutoffs and plant flowers in his garden. But throughout his life, he always gave so much, not only to his own children, but to everyone around him. Not only physical physical gifts or financial support, but um, I think of when he was sick. He had, he died of cancer and. And through a long illness, he did things like this. He would go to chemo, and you have to sit there for a couple of hours. And he would order pizza for the entire chemo room, the staff, oh, wow. the other people sitting there. And, mm. you know, some of the people couldn't eat because you know, you're just not feeling really great. He wasn't sitting there thinking of himself and poor me. It's like, hey, let's get something for all these mm-hmm. hardworking staff people. And he did it when he was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he would order up food for uh, the the nurse's station in, in his section of the hospital. And I, I just love that. It, you can tell food's a big part of the Musselman family here. But uh, I, I love that. He would bring donuts, uh, you know, packs of donuts mm-hmm. into work for uh, at my husband's shop when he was retired and just for the guys. And, and I love that, that thinking of others. And he had this great ability to remember what, people specifically like. He always had a Dr. Pepper in the refrigerator because that was my favorite drink. The lesson that's learned there as you share that story with your kids and as you talk about that, our kids learn those lessons. They learn from our actions on how we behave, which is, you know, part of the answer. How do we teach people? We teach our children every single time we do something for others or we we glorify and talk about somebody else who has done something for others. Really the example of others for me when I think about how does God teach me to be generous, it's really the example of others that I learned the most. Yesterday I talked about how the witness of the family is something that's helped me reflect on how I need to be more generous. But I also have this new witness of the Marian Missionaries of Divine Mercy, who I also mentioned yesterday, and how some of these guys, they've postponed graduate school, they've quit really great jobs to come out and give a year of 
their lives to this mission. And that's such an incredible example that really helps me to, well, has helped me to take the next step to leave what I was doing and come up here to Massachusetts to be a part of this mission. And I hope that through my actions, I can also be a witness to others. And and that's how I can help teach them to be generous as well. Their website is marianmissionaries.org. That's M-A-R-I-A-N-M-I-S-S-I-O-N-A-R-I-E-S.org. Father Michael Gately is the spiritual director for them. You can go to their website, see all of the things they are doing, and help support them. And these guys are just really out on the streets doing works of mercy on the weekends and then also in spiritual formation. So we invite any uh, young men who'd like to give a year of their life to uh, check that out and consider kind of going to a school of generosity. Right, Michelle? I mean, the guys are doing a lot there. When the angel Gabriel comes to announce the incarnation to Mary, he says, Hail, full of grace. Mary's graces are a plentitude of God's love in which we participate by giving all our merits to her. The issue really is one of trust. Do we trust her? The first way we learn to trust another is by getting to know that person. What have we done to get to know Mary? Mary, that's a great question because we can do things to know our mother better. And the first thing that comes to my mind, of course, is reading Scripture. There's there's several stories in the Gospels and in the Acts of the Apostles about Mary, and, and just reading through those is a beautiful way. But all of those stories are really encapsulated in something that many Catholics have known and loved for centuries, and, and that's the Rosary. Uh, Michelle, you have a great devotion devotion to the Rosary. Tell us a little bit about how that helps you get to know our Mother better. Well, I think what's important is to not just pray the rosary, but to really reflect on the changes that are happening in your life as you continue to meditate on these mysteries and ask Our Lady's intercession. Some of the ways that I've noticed and I've gotten closer to Mary is by journaling and really recognizing where when I ask for something, it may not be in my time or exactly how I would have expected it, but Our Lady really does intercede, and the Lord responds to our requests, and it's often in ways that we could have never expected in the beginning. So the Rosary has really played a huge role in my getting to know Our Lady and building a relationship with her. There's a lot of great books that are written on the Rosary. Many people have, have put so much wisdom into it. One of my personal favorites is is Dr. Edward Shree, and he's actually put it out as a Lighthouse Catholic Media CD. Great resources. In his talk on praying the Rosary like never before, um, he, he really does. He goes into how do we pray the rosary better, how do we get away from distractions, how do we meditate on the mysteries as we're saying the Hail Marys. And and, and one thing I, I think that's a great point to remember, if you're not familiar with the rosary, some of our separated brothers and sisters who are Protestant might say, oh, that's just vain repetition, you know, praying Hail Mary over and over again. And I think it was Kimberly Hahn that, that kind of turned that around and, and said, what if you are a mother and you have a little child and the, mo- and the little child comes up to you and says, I love you, Mommy, and goes back and starts playing with their toys and comes back 10 minutes later and says, 
I love you, Mommy, and goes back in colors and comes back in five minutes later and says, I love you, Mommy. What mother doesn't want, you know, just rejoice in that? It melts your heart. What a great example. That's what we're doing with each of those Hail Marys, just our little prayer, I love you, Mommy. And and we are these little Mm -hmm. children, even when we're 40-something years old and all grown up, right? Right, like we discussed earlier in the week, is we are still children spiritually. We're not growing up spiritually yet. Some of us might think we are, but we still got a ways to go. <laughs> Going through the 33 Days to Morning Glory retreat in itself is is just helping me to get to know Our Lady. I This is not the first time I'm going through the retreat, and yet I just continuously learn more and more about her love for us and how she wants to lead us to her son. And that's a good point you bring up, Michelle, because once if we're consecrating for the first time now... Um, it is recommended that the Marian consecration be renewed at least annually. And so if this is something that's really touching your heart and, and, you know, just really giving you a great spirit of learning about Mary, it's not just over and done. Uh, it's great to bring it out again mm-hmm. the same time next year, and you'll have your specific feast day that you're going to consecrate on. And that's a very special beginning for you that can we can all go deeper and deeper each year and and learn more and more. I've found the same thing as I go through it again and again. I'm like, wow, I don't even remember reading that. So great to build on that. It helps too if we really get familiar with the scriptures and we see where Mary is in the scriptures and we learn to understand the meaning of the scripture passages. After all, she doesn't show up very often. Some of my favorite sites, johnsalza.com, J-O-H-N-S-A-L-Z-A.com. He has some great resources. He used to have a website called scripturecatholic.com. That was, I love that site because it was such an easy resource site. And he's modernized it with new media options. If you go to his site, simply pick apologetics. And I think a lot of them has actually turned them into podcasts or audio casts, videos, actually video casts of much of, of that content. That Another great one is John Martinoni, one of my First time favorites, he has the Bible Christian Society.com. That's the Bible Christian Society.com. Great online resources that are easy to access. John Martinoni offers his as, as free MP3 downloads or CDs that you can get in the mail. Of course, he requests a donation, but it's not necessary. He will send it out even if you don't make a donation. This is wrapping up our first two questions of the day, day six, and our preparation for Marian consecration. After the break, we will we will review the last two questions of the day on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses.
continue now with the third question on day six of our retreat as we prepare for Marian consecration. Question number three reads, frequently we are asked to give what we can afford to charities, even from the pulpit. Yet Christ says to the rich young man, if you will be perfect, sell what you have and come follow me. That's in Mark 10, verse 21. How serious are we about spiritual perfection? What spiritual, physical, interior, or exterior goods do we still fear to let go of, and why? Mary, it's funny, that first line, to give what we can afford, and it's talking about the pulpit. A lot of times we don't really hear a lot of teaching on stewardship and tithing from the pulpit. You know, we get requests annually maybe for the bishop's appeal or that kind of thing, but um, I know when I was part of a, another Bible study in years past, really got some good teaching on tithing and giving the first fruits to our Lord. And our, our family really was able to kind of move in that direction about 15 years ago. And writing that first check, after you get paid and your, your payroll goes in your, your checking, instead of paying the, uh, the air conditioning bill or the heating bill or the mortgage payment, say, I'm going to give this amount to our Lord. And it was amazing to me when I did that first, there was the money available for other things. In the past, I had always paid the mortgage first. I had paid for the schooling, the groceries, and there was never anything left. There was never enough. And uh, by that one act of doing it first, that really transformed for our family uh, the stewardship and, and giving. And, you know, that's just the tithing. The almsgiving we're called to, particularly in the season of Lent, almsgiving is above and beyond the tithing. You know, so almsgiving is really giving where it really might hurt. Yeah, and switching gears even a little bit, when I think of this question, it makes me think about just my fear of instability. I recently made the decision to resign from a job that I loved and I was financially stable, but I knew that I was being called up here to Massachusetts and it it did create a lot of fear in me and had it not been for me making my consecration about a year and a half ago and going through the retreat for the first time, I would have never been able to make that decision. But as we strive for perfection, we also can't really expect that the fear is just going to automatically leave. While we hope that it does, we really do need to go back to Our Lady and just trust that she will take care of us. That trust is so important, too. And it's just like you said, Julie, it's very scary to start tithing. If you're not already doing the full 10%, you can start at 1%, 2% and work your way up. I have a similar story. When my oldest son was young, he had asthma. It was on $300 of prescription a month to keep him well. And we were young married couple just working really hard to make ends meet. And oftentimes, as I like to used to like to say, there was too much month at the end of the money. So <laughs> I decided one day, I said, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to try this tithing thing. I'm going to see if it works. And I don't remember how much I actually ended up giving us, but I know it wasn't the full 10. But I made that first leap of faith. And the amazing thing was, was at the end of that month, we paid all of our bills. I was able to buy all of his prescriptions. And we had bunny left over for the first time ever in our married life. (laughs) I kept waiting for a bill payer to come after me and say, you forgot me. But nobody ever came. So I have no explanation. (laughs) Except that it was the tithing. 
and our Lord's never outdone in generosity. You know, God mm-hmm. loves a cheerful giver, I think it says in Corinthians, and, and I, I stick with that. We have to do that giving cheerfully and, you know, with our first fruits. And, and God really uses that to change our heart. When we have that, uh, that ability to start tithing wherever we're at, and we might have a lot of fears and trepidation about that, God can use our fears by our actions and move us to a place of trust. Because as you just pointed out, Mary, you know, things did work out at that point when you tithed first. And that's really the lesson we're all learning as we do it. You know, we step out in fear and we don't know how it's going to end and we move towards trust. Yes. And you just one quick note too on the tithing. It can be, your tithe can be time, talent, and treasure. So if you don't have enough, if you really don't have enough to put food on the table, you could start committing your time, volunteering at the local food bank, volunteering at the church, volunteering you know, with hospice or, or any, any organization that needs volunteers. And that's, that serves Christ in his church as well. Father Gately's written another book called You Did It to Me that is really kind of like a, a punch list of ideas of how you can serve the church. And I would recommend that to anyone who's really kind of trying to look over their life and think of, how can I do more works of mercy? It's, it's a beautiful book that will really help give you many ideas in that regard. Let's jump into our last question of day six of our retreat. What concerns or apprehensions do you still have as this first week nears to a close? Fear of the loss of control of your spiritual life by giving all to Mary? Do you fear purgatory? At what level is your self-concern interfering with your desire to draw close to Mary? Mary, the first time you did the retreat, you you shared with us earlier at the break, a, a little experience you had with not really understanding a lot of these. You're absolutely right, Julie. I felt a little bit of apprehension still over, really, I'm just going to give everything to Mary. I'm going to totally entrust her. That It, it didn't feel right. It, it almost felt like a cop like I don't have to do anything now. But I have to say, second time through, reading it through the second time, makes a huge difference. It really it really hits at home on your, your second time through the retreat. And one of the great things about this retreat, Mary, too, is that it's set up so that we read a very small piece of information each day. And after we read it, it's set up so that we ponder the ideas that we read. And that gives us the time to really absorb the information and really become more comfortable with it. I, too, feel that going through the retreat for a second and third time really does, each time it gets easier to give more to Mary and the fear begins to subside. When I first did the consecration, it felt like we were worshiping Mary somehow or, you know, how can she be generous to us? Isn't God generous to us? Mm-hmm. And um, it was really in, in meeting with a group and even like right now where the with three of us talking about it each day is really an important piece talking through all those questions that you have and maybe things you don't totally understand. And the method behind the 33 Days of Morning Glory uh, retreat by Father Michael Gately, he uses the, the initials RPM, and he by that he means we're going to read, and then we're going to ponder, and, and we're going to meet. You might be listening to this for the first time on the radio or via podcast, but I encourage you to really pray about Maybe you're being called to start a group where you could get a couple friends together, neighbors or coworkers or people at your parish, and join in a group just like we have been here and really go through the reading each day and meet once a week for six weeks to discuss all of the questions. And in doing so, 
I think we grow more comfortable with concepts that were once new Mm -hmm. and then see in the lives of people we know how they're viewing it and how they're living it. And that's just such a great example to me. Uh, Mary, on the blog we've put together, 33daystomorninggory.com, we've got a lot of um, examples of different groups that have started all over the United States and really all over the world. We, We recently posted a group in Mexico that uh, came about, one in Puerto Rico, uh, the Philippines. That is awesome. So it's really spreading, and I think that gives encouragement to people who might be saying, gosh, I just don't know if I can do this. Julie, I had the privilege of hearing Father Michael Gately speak, and he said that when Louis de Montfort first did this consecration, it took the communities by storm. But where we're at now is even exceeding what happened in his time. Can you share the details of that with us? Yeah, recently when Father Gately was speaking, he talked about St. Louis de Montfort was the first person to really promote Marian consecration, and there were a large number of souls who consecrated at that time. Then uh, fast forward to the 1930s, a a saint that we're going to get into next week, St. Maximilian Kolbe, and he had a tremendously huge push towards Marian consecration. He founded the Militia Immaculata, and he really prepared Poland and and a lot of Europe for World War II by having so many souls consecrated to Our Lady. Well, one of the things Father Gately pointed out that is is amazing to me is right now we have an even greater uh, gift of Marian consecration going on in the world right now. There's been over 2 million copies of the book, 33 Days to Morning and Glory, that have been printed and gone out. There's other forms of the consecration that are being promoted as well. And Father Gately rightly points out that Mary is on the move. She's definitely doing something in our world today. And it's easy for us to look around at current events and and almost despair. I mean, there's so much bad news everywhere. But with this gift of Marian consecration, I think it's really a great hope for us personally and a hope for our world. And and in light of that, I think that's why we're asking so many people, share this consecration. You know, do it yourself and then share it with, with the ones that are in your neck of the woods. And let's close with the prayer, Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, living in Mary, help me to give great glory to God by giving all I have to Mary. Amen. That wraps up our four meditation questions for the day. Coming up after the break, we are going to pray the Angelus which is our weekly prayer that we've been praying every single day this week. We will also review the questions again and listen to the prayers put to song that St. Louis de Montfort prayed for his preparation for Marian consecration. We'll be right back after this on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses.
Life Radio's living witnesses as we prepare our hearts, mind, body, and souls to consecrate to Jesus Christ through Our Lady. If you've enjoyed the Hail Mary that we've been using this week, it's being sung by Billy Terrasio. Unfortunately, I don't know where to find it online, but I will tell you that she's an attorney. She's got a website called MyModernLaw.com, and it looks like she's in Arizona. So thank you to Billy for your contribution to the great Catholic music that we have. Today for our Angelus, we are going to have the version of it that was sung by Marie Ballot. Very beautiful. Let's take a moment now and pray. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. According to thy word Hail Mary, full of grace The Lord is with thee Blessed art thou among women And blessed is the fruit of thy womb Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ your Son was made known by the message of an angel, May by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's take a look now at the 
spirituality of St. Louis de Montfort. If you're following along for his consecration, on day six, he reads from The Imitation of Christ by Thomas A. Kempis, Book 1, Chapter 18, on the examples of the Holy Fathers. His prayers continue the same for the first 12 days, so our first prayer will be Vene Creator. And while we're listening to this prayer being sung, let us reflect on our meditation questions for today. Question number one. As children, our parents and teachers taught us how to give gifts to others. How has God been teaching you to be generous? Have you taught others to be generous? And question number two, do you really trust Mary? And what have you done to get to know Mary? Oh, Lord, see, Lord, 
Let's review questions three and four of today's meditation. How serious are we about spiritual perfection? What spiritual, physical, interior, or exterior goods do we still fear to let go of and why? And question number four. What concerns or apprehensions do you still have as this first week nears to its close? Fear of the loss of control of your spiritual life by giving all to Mary? Do you fear purgatory? At what level is your self-concern interfering with your desire to draw closer to Mary? Hey, bright star of ocean, God's own mother blessed ever sinless up now St. Louis's spirituality you're going to pray the Magnificat and the glory be and that's going to wrap up our show for today day six of our preparation for Marian consecration right here on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham